Good morning. Well, last week we, we talked about our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Pastor Garen told us that the hour in our Father is, is not actually only us corporately as a body of Christ, but it also means Jesus and me, Jesus and you. That is something that I had never thought about before. Uh, he told us that, um, that, that God has everything that we need already in place. He likened it to the uh, Tamion, which was a closet, a storehouse um, in Jesus' day, where the oldest son would fill and stock that cabinet with everything that the family needed before they needed it. That's what Jesus does for us. My dad's here this morning, and, and he reminded me of a story um, about my brother and my sister. My brother had to learn the Lord's Prayer when he was in kindergarten, and he went to public school, mind you. Tells you how far we've gone the wrong way. But as we listened to my brother recite it, um, my sister, after he was done, my sister said, Mom, why do they call God Howard? <laughs> that is not Howard. That is hallowed, which means holy. Well, this week we're going we're gonna to say, we're going to talk about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, the boys and I uh, are reading a book, the boys being... Pastor Matt and Pastor Garen um, <laughs> are reading a book called um, Living the Lord's Prayer, which is where we got our sermon title from, and uh, also um, The Lord's Prayer, Imagine It Answered, and uh, much of what I will be talking to you today about comes from those books. Well, words can get us in trouble, can't they? How many people know that? I know that. My words get me into all kinds of situations all the time. It seems that I have no filter. Whatever comes to my mind usually comes out. Uh, Pastor Matt always says, <laughs> Lena, and Pastor Matt always says, awkward. So, uh, <laughs> for example, one time, Pastor Jeffrey asked me to come up here a few years ago and tell about a time where God had spoken to me, like where I had heard his voice for sure and knew that it was him. Well, I was nervous. Imagine me being nervous up here. And uh, on the way here, George said, honey, you know the old trick, what they say. What they say is just picture everybody in their underwear. So I'm thinking, I'm going to try this. I'm going to picture everybody in their underwear. But when I got up here, that's all I could think about. So I thought, if I confess it to you guys, that that's what George told me to think about, then I will get over it quickly. But instead of saying, George told me to picture you guys naked, I mean, in your underwear, I said, George told me to picture you guys naked. Well, after that, I don't think anybody listened to anything I had to say about God speaking to me. And when Pastor Jeffrey came up here, he said, I don't know how to follow that. Let's move on. So, words can get us into trouble. If you say, if you're at the airport and you say, I have a bomb, your life will be different. If you stand at the altar with the one you love and say, uh, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, I do, your life will be different. Words rearrange life. Let's put this in the context of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's be honest. Usually when we pray that prayer, not much happens. We pray it, we say it, 
but we really don't understand what it means. So therefore, we don't pray it with sincerity, and nothing happens. Well, I've only been to Disney World two times, once when I was 14, once uh, when the kids were, were younger, but I'm excited because we are, God willing, going to go um, in December, and Disney World is magical. I don't know if you've been there, but it is a magical place. And I hear that it's all that much more magical at Christmas. There's lights and decorations, and I'm really excited about going. They call uh, Disney World the Magic Kingdom. But it's not really magic that makes it magical. It's a lot of work. The Kingdom of Disney is created by a particular way of doing things. The territory is defined. When you walk in, you know you're there because it has a certain look and it has a certain feel. Everything is intentional. The people there know exactly what they can and cannot do. They are walking brand, the employees are walking brands of Disney. They are radically obedient to its ways. They have to go through discipleship training in Disneydom. If you are a Disney employee, much is required of you. There are lots of rules in place. Disney does not just happen. Well, neither does the kingdom of God. It is central to the message of Jesus. It is the core of his ministry. It is the heart of the gospel, if not the gospel itself. When Jesus is giving his sermon on the mount, in which the Lord's prayer is smack dab in the middle of it, the disciples are being trained for life in the kingdom. Jesus comes proclaiming the kingdom of God and saying all kinds of things about the kingdom. By the way, the word kingdom appears 148 times in the New Testament, with 114 of those being in the Gospels alone. That tells you that the kingdom was important to Jesus. So what is this kingdom uh, in which we pray to come? Jesus says, It is among you. It is already here. Repent. Enter it. It begins small and insignificant like a mustard seed. It's like a pearl of great price or a treasure hidden in a field. He says, go get it. People who thought they could never get in are on the invitation list. Old wineskins can't hold it. Jesus says, it's like a rich man who gave his money to servants and left town. It is like a party that the wrong people are invited to. Aren't you glad for that? When the sick are healed, the kingdom of God is here. When Satan is cast out, the kingdom of God is here. When Jesus is seen in the poor, the imprisoned, the needy, it has arrived. When we pray your kingdom come, we should pray with expectancy. We should pray that the lost will be saved that the blind will receive sight, the sick will be healed. We should pray that the undeserving, which is us, would receive grace. We should pray that sin won't rule, that evil won't win, that self-rule would cease and God will be the only sovereign. Jesus' mission on this earth was to establish the kingdom of God on this earth. Shouldn't it be ours too? Let's move on to your will be done. This is where we need to pause and spend a little time. Most of the time, we like to skip over this part. 
just as a part that we don't like to think about. If we're honest with ourselves, we would say that our will has top priority in our lives, that we would much rather do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. We don't really, really don't want God's input on it unless we're having a problem. God, you, you stay over here until I need you. I know you're all saying, speak for yourself. But seriously, think about it. If we all did God's will 100% of the time, this world would be a different place, wouldn't it? Dan Boone, who is the president of Trevecca University, Trevecca Nazarene University, tells a story of when he preached in chapel one day. I'm going to read it. He says, I remember speaking in chapel on a biblical, biblical basis for abstinence from alcohol. In short, if we love our neighbor who might be destroyed by alcohol, we might choose to abstain as an act of loving solidarity. At the end of the presentation, I invited students to text me their questions or write them on three by five index cards, and I would answer them in chapel the next day. Boone says, in chapel the next day, I read the statement out loud of a student who wrote anonymously, yes, I'm 21 and I choose to go to this school and I choose to drink responsibly and socially. That's the underlying factor, my choice, my life, my conviction. Boone goes on to say that he read it again with a certain emphasis on certain words. He said, yes, I am 21. I choose to go to this school. I choose to drink responsibly and socially. That's the underlying factor. My choice, my life, my walk, my convictions. Then Boone says he replied as honestly and lovingly as he was capable of. And he says, it's very obvious. It's all about you. And if this continues to be the basic ethical position of your life, you will not be a follower of Christ. My and I are the only words that will matter to you. You could not more succinctly express the mantra of self-sovereignty. You will do what you want to do. You will rule your life. You are building your ethics based on what you want to do. You are your own boss. It is spelled S-I-N. The essence of Christianity is very different. I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I no longer live. I'm sorry. After, and the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. This is the core of Christianity. Can a person be a responsible social drinker and still be a Christian? Yes. Can a person think like this, I, me, my, mine, and still be a Christian? No. This is what sin does to us. It blinds us. It settles us into a life that is all about me. What Jesus is teaching us when he's having us pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is that before we get to you, 
and me, we must first surrender to him. You see, you have a kingdom, and I have a kingdom. You have a will, and I have a will. Sometimes there are things, there are things wrong in my kingdom, and I want God to fix them. Sometimes people in my kingdom don't understand that I'm the queen. Sometimes people in your kingdom don't understand that you're the king or the queen. <laughs> Sometimes the people in your house don't realize that you are the smartest person in the family. And if they would just do what you said, what you tell them to do, the world would be a much better place. <laughs> they just don't understand. And they don't understand. So sometimes we pray, God, help these people. <laughs> Clearly, you and I are the only ones on the same page. They need to be enlightened to our way. I mean, my husband... He's so handsome, but good grief, Lord, please. My kingdom is at risk. My kingdom is shaking, shaken. There's an enemy at the gate of my kingdom. God, I need you to do something about my kingdom. I found myself in that place a few years ago, maybe about five years ago, when Philip, uh, on one Saturday morning, just all of a sudden came downstairs and told me that he thinks he wants to go live with his dad in North Carolina. Some of you may have heard this story. I completely and immediately fell apart, and I was just instantly mad at God. How in the world could you let this happen? I pray for him, I love him, I give him everything he has, and now he wants to go live with his dad. I, I couldn't imagine being without him. I could cry just thinking about it. It, it, shattered, it shattered my world for the day. And as much as I tried to pray about it, I just I couldn't get past the fact that God was going to let this happen. My kingdom was being messed with. Well, the next morning I was getting ready for church, and I'm telling you, as clear as day, I'm sure it was a silent shout in my heart, but I heard God say, is it well with your soul? And I said, of course it's not well with my soul. You're going to take my kid away from me. Of course it's not well with my soul. And I didn't hear much else until I got to church. And we were praising Jesus. Other people were praising Jesus. We were worshiping. And I sat there and cried, and I was just so mad because my kingdom wasn't what I wanted it to be. And God said to me, do you believe those words on that screen? And I said, yes. And he said, well, then you better sing them. And I did. And I ended up giving in that your, your, your will be done. But I didn't do it with a glad heart. And then at the end of the service, guess what song we sang? Is it well with your soul? The very words Jesus had asked me that morning, we sang at the end. And when God talks to you like that, how can it not be well with your soul? God, I need you to do something about my kingdom, is what we say. The kingdom of my health, the kingdom of my finances, the kingdom of my relationships, the kingdom of my singleness, the kingdom of my work and my career the kingdom of my bad marriage, the kingdom of my 
my, my. My kingdom is at risk. There are issues and problems in my kingdom. Jesus says to us, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get to your kingdom, Jesus says, which is where our prayers generally go, have you gotten to the place where you're willing to declare sincerely, regardless of what happens in your kingdom and in my kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God, before we go any further, I want you to know that I am not here to get you to bend to my direction. I am here to bend to yours. You see, my friends, that is the purpose of prayer. It is to surrender our wills, not to impose them. Let me say that again. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our wills, not impose them. But you see, the problem is we want God to do our bidding. We want him to give us stuff. We want him to make so-and-so better or different. We, we want him to give us what we want. Why can't I have the car that she has? Why did he get a better job than I did? I'm more talented. We want him to do our bidding. Think about that for a moment, though. Do you really want a God that small? I mean, how small is your God? Do you really want a God who bends in your direction? Do you really want to spend a lifetime of trying to get God to do what you want him to do? Wouldn't your life be far more fulfilling? Wouldn't you make much more of an impact in this world if you bent your life in his direction instead of him bending in yours? You know, what's interesting is that the whole idea of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is what should determine how long we pray. Let me say that again. The whole idea of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what should determine how long you pray. Let me explain. When Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus, he, he had known, word had gotten brought to him a couple, of days a couple of days before he actually got to the tomb of Lazarus that Lazarus was, was dead. And he knew that it was the Father's will for him to raise Lazarus. And he knew that he could do it when he got there, he knew he didn't have to hurry home, and he, he wanted everybody to know that God was the one that was going to raise Lazarus, not him, so he, he, he didn't hurry. When he got there, he prayed a 20-second prayer because he knew that it was God's will. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 20 seconds. And Lazarus came to life. But when it came to making the decision to lay down his own life, how long did Jesus pray? All night. Because the length of your prayers will be determined by how long it takes you to get to the place where you can say with all of your heart, 
and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Thy will be done. Even if it costs me, even if it's uncomfortable, even if I don't understand it, thy will be done. I am not here to bend your will to mine, God. I am here to bend mine to yours. And on most of us, for most of us, on most days, it's as simple as reviewing the fact that we have surrendered our lives to the Heavenly Father. But there are times, there are occasions, there are struggles, there are bumps, there are health issues, there are marriage issues, there are financial issues where we are so distraught and where there's so much pain and so much agony to get to the place where you can sincerely say, God, you know what I'm about to ask you. You know what I want you to do. Thy will be done. And I mean it. And until you get to that place, friends, there's no point in going any further in prayer. I think that's what Jesus is teaching us. And you know what? That prayer of surrender, it works 100% of the time. Because the purpose of prayer, according to Jesus, is to recalibrate your heart so that it is so in sync with the heart of the Father. Not to convince the Father to do something that he otherwise isn't interested in doing. He is your Father. He loves you. He's Lord of creation. He is eternal. We are just a blip, a second on this earth. He knows what's best for you, and he knows what's best for me. Can you imagine what would happen in our country, in our world, in our church, in our homes, if every single morning every Christian got on their knees alone and said, God, you are God. So yes, yes, before you even ask, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything would change. We might say, God, there are some things I want to ask you about. Because we can still ask God for things. But the point is, your will be done. I can take no for an answer. I can take wait for an answer, and I can take yes for an answer, but your will be done, God. Band, you can go ahead and come on up. The band can come, come on up. That kind of prayer is radical. The words in the Lord's Prayer are life-changing. If we understand what they mean, and we pray them sincerely. Do you dare say, your kingdom come, your will be done, and mean it? Do I dare say it and mean it? If you do, your life will transition from me-focused to God-focused. Just like Nita chose the kingdom of God that day over herself, over just wanting to relax and 
you know, you're on an airplane, it's crowded, it's hot, it's real. She decided to choose the kingdom of God. And she had a hand in starting the change, the process of change in someone. If you pray that prayer and you mean it, you're going to start to see opportunities for the kingdom of God everywhere. You might see them on an airplane like Nita did. You might see them in the grocery store. You might see them at the DPS. You're going to get lots of them at the DPS, I can assure you. It may be that you go to your mailbox at the same time you see your neighbor go to his so that you can make a connection there. Will you seize these opportunities thereby choosing the kingdom of God? Or are you going to choose your own kingdom? Am I going to choose my own kingdom? I pray that we choose God's kingdom because like the coach in the clip said, anything less is too small to live for. So let's stop trying to bend God's will to ours and let's bend ours to his. I want us to take a few minutes. We're going to pray. But I want us to take a few minutes and think about what the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, means for you individually and for me individual. You see, the kingdom of God is already here on earth, and one day it's going to come in its fullness. But until then, are you going to live for yourself? Are you going to live for your own kingdom? Or are you going to live for God's kingdom? So let's think about that. Let's think about what it would really mean to give up living for yourselves. What do you have to do to give up living for yourself? What will you have to change in your life in order to bend your will to God's? What will you have to give up? Who do you have to forgive? Who do you have to ask forgiveness from? I want you guys to think about that. And as you think about it, I want you to give your will to God. Whatever area of your will that you're still hanging on to, I want you to, to give it to God. You can stay in your seats. You can come to the altars. They're open. There's actually something really powerful about getting out of your seat and coming to an altar to give God your worries and your burdens and your cares. If you have something to pray for that doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, come. But I want you guys to harden your hearts today. If God is speaking to you, listen and obey. Don't worry about what the person next to you is thinking. It's just between you and God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you know best. God, I thank you for your kingdom. I thank you for allowing me to be part of that kingdom. God, I pray that today as we sit here and we think about what it means for you to have your way in our lives and for us to be a part of the kingdom, Lord, I pray that you would show us, show each person here what we need to give up, what we need to add, what we need to do in order to let you have your way in our lives. God, sometimes we are moving so fast that we don't even think about who's in control, that we don't even think about the fact if, if I'm in control or you're in control. God, help us to slow down and seek your kingdom first. Your word says that if you, 
if we will seek your kingdom first, then everything else will fall in its place. Lord, I know that's true. I've had it happen in my own life, yet for some reason, it's not the consistent thing that I tend to do, that we tend to do. We tend to try to fix things on our own. We tend to ask you for things that we think are good for us, that we think we need, that we think we want. But Lord, those are not things that are good for us. God, you know what's good for us. Lord, help us to give you things without a sense of resignation. We don't want to just resign to your will because your will is good. Help us to just relinquish it and relinquish it with joy and with passion. God, help us to look for opportunities, the one like you gave Nita, where we can make a difference in someone's life. God, that's why we are here. We are not here to go to school. We are not here to go to work. Those things are necessary, but that is not why you put us here. We are not here to do what we want to do when we're off of work and when we're out of school. Lord, you are gracious and you allow us to do those things, but we are here for you. God, would you move in this place today and make us a kingdom-minded church? God, we want you. We want more of you. Lord, it starts with us as individuals. God, I, I confess to you right now that sometimes I live for myself. Sometimes I hear your voice and I say, I'm too tired. I'm too stressed. And I say no to you. God, and I'm so sorry for all of those times. Lord, I commit to you right now, right here, to listen to your Holy Spirit and to let the Holy Spirit help me to say yes to you when you call. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.